Welcome back to Mosaic, the podcast from Education Development Center. Mosaic is a place to explore pressing challenges in education, health, and economic opportunity around the world. I'm Berkonofsky, senior writer at EDC. For many students, learning hasn't stopped during the coronavirus pandemic. It's just moved to Zoom lessons and home-based assignments. In this episode, I talked to two educators about how the move to distance learning is affecting science education in particular. My guests are EDC's Abigail Jaris-Levy, who leads the Coalition for Elementary Science, and Rebecca Katch-Singer, a science curriculum coordinator for the Westboro Public Schools. So Rebecca and Abigail, thanks for joining me on the podcast today. And let's start with some introductions so that our listeners know a little bit about both of you. Uh, Rebecca, why don't you tell us about yourself? Sure. My name is Rebecca Katch-Singer. I'm the science curriculum coordinator for grades pre-K to 6 in the Westboro Public Schools. And I'm also on the faculty at Brandeis University, where I teach science pedagogy. Fantastic. Great to have you. And Abigail, we've met before, but why don't you tell us about your work here at EDC? Thanks, Bert. Uh, my name is Abigail Juris-Levy. I've been at EDC for over 20 years doing research on science education policy and pedagogy, professional development, and so forth. Um, I'm now the director of the Coalition for Elementary Science. Great. Well, it's great to chat with you again, Abigail. And you met Rebecca through the Coalition for Elementary Science. Is that correct? Yes, we were planning our elementary science summit, and I was working with Nicole Scola, who is the director for science in the Mass Department of Elementary and uh, Secondary Education. And she introduced me to Rebecca, who was a wonderful find to support the work on elementary science and her role as a leader for district science at the summit. Fantastic. So Rebecca, I want to start with you and let's dive right into the topic at hand here. So as you mentioned in your introduction, you're a science educator in Westboro, Massachusetts. Uh, What was elementary science instruction like in your district when you were still teaching face-to-face before all the schools were closed because of coronavirus? Yeah, so I've been really impressed with the teachers, um, the elementary science teachers in Westboro. They have worked incredibly hard over the last four or five years to transition their instruction so that it aligns with the goals of the NGSS and our adaptation of the NGSS in Massachusetts. They really prioritize engaging kids in those science practices and getting kids to talk to each other about science, to use evidence, and to experience coherent units of instruction. And recently, we've been working with engaging students in phenomena to anchor science units. So really helping them in the classroom work with each other to put together the pieces of why something in nature happens. So that's really what science was looking like before we had to leave school. Now, you're a science coordinator, but you occasionally get back into the science classroom. Is that right? I do. It's my favorite thing to do. I, I tell the kids all the time that, you know, I love working with teachers. My favorite place to be is in the classroom because, of course, I used to be a science teacher in the classroom. Right. And then do you have a favorite lesson to do with, with your students? I have lots of them, but one of the ones that jumps to my mind is a lesson I've done a few times with some second graders. Um, it's in the middle of a unit where they're exploring properties of solids and properties of liquids and trying to figure out well, what counts as a solid and what counts as a liquid. And we introduced to the students um, some vials of cornstarch and asked them to think with each other, well, is cornstarch a solid or is cornstarch a liquid? So I present two claims to them, and we generate some evidence for each claim. Then students work with each other and some other 
vials that have so uh, solids in them, but solids with little particles. And so um, asking them to kind of figure out what's going on here. And by the end of the lesson, what they've usually put together is that cornstarch is in fact a solid, even though it has some of the properties of liquids, but solids have particles. And then they're able to generalize that to kind of a rule that we talk about, which is that sometimes solids have the properties of liquids, but all solids are made of particles. I just love that lesson because there's so much student to student talk and debate and use of evidence. And it's really, I'm creating the structure, but students are doing all the heavy lifting and the figuring out. So uh, we're recording this in early May and your district has already been closed for about a month now. Um, and so you're doing distance learning. What have you heard from teachers and families in Westboro about how they're doing science during this time? I mean, what, what is their daily reality here? I mean, so the daily reality is varied for families. You know, there are some families where both parents are home and able to support kids or one parent is home and there are families where there are essential workers or there are families that for one reason or another are just really stretched thin and really challenged to have kids home all the time. Um, so we have to really work within that reality. We have to be flexible. We have to give kids uh, work to do at home that is both meaningful, but something that is accessible to any type of family and any type of child. So what I've heard from teachers is that this work is really, really hard and it is really challenging them in a number of different ways. But one of the wonderful things about the teachers in Westbar is they're always up for a challenge and um, they have made it work. And thinking about science specifically, our four through six teachers have embraced putting science on the agenda for kids on a regular basis since we've closed. And our K-3 teachers are right now shifting from science as a can-do to a must-do at least twice a week. And the kids are the ones who are really pushing that in some uh, places. I had a third grade teacher who said to me, you know, oh, I asked the kids, what do you guys want out of um, all this virtual learning? Like what's missing? And a kid piped up and said, well, what are we doing science? So I love that the Westboro teachers have really developed a culture of, that love science in their classrooms and that they're eager and their kids are eager to do science at home. So Abigail, I want to bring you in here as well. Uh, you just heard what Rebecca was saying. Does this sound familiar? I mean, what, what have you been hearing from educators and school administrators about science education during this time of distance learning? Well, I think as you can tell from Rebecca's comments, I mean, Westboro is such a model. There aren't many districts who have a Rebecca in the first place. And so that tells you something about how valued science is. And when it is valued in that way, that enables Westboro to sort of rise to this new challenge of teaching science. So one thing that this whole COVID experience has illuminated is for many parents, science has been invisible to them in the past. They don't see it come home in the form of homework in their kids' backpacks. And it doesn't often come up in parent conferences because there is a focus on math and ELA. So parents aren't really aware of what their kids are doing in science, and they may make assumptions about what is happening that aren't quite accurate. So I was talking to one parent who's now seeing what her daughter is doing, which is reading a book, reading a chapter, answering questions at the end of the chapter. Now, on, on one hand, it's manageable. Teachers can handle that, and so can parents. But on the other hand, it's not good science teaching. And, you know, it's what they can do in this environment, but it would be a shame to think that that's what's happening all the time. 
So a message to take away from this might be, parents, when it's time to go back to a parent conference, take a look around the classroom and see what's happening. You know, do you see evidence of investigations? Do you see your kid's science notebook? You know, you've, you have a chance to be investigative about that and, um, and learn more about the kind of science they're getting as a matter of course during the day when, when we're lucky enough to go back. Right. Abigail, you were just mentioning some of the challenges that I think a lot of parents are having at home in terms of, you know, they might not always understand what their students are doing or what their children are doing in science class at school. And now they're having to help facilitate some of that, some of those experiences when they're at home. So tell us a bit more. Why do you think it's so important to continue to prioritize science education during this time, even when it is certainly harder to do for a lot of parents at home? Well, this is... This is a moment when um, it, it is so obvious how important it is to have a society that understands the importance of science and the role that science plays in solving the problem that we're all experiencing. There's a lot of understanding that is growing about coronavirus, and we're trying to keep up with it as citizens and follow the guidance that we're getting. And in order to understand the importance of that science, we, of that guidance, rather, we need to have a sort of an, a science literate society. And research shows that um, 40% of kids in the eighth grade who are interested in science and want to pursue science learning as adults actually go on to further science learning in, in high school and beyond. And we know that kids come into elementary school already adept at learning about the world around them and how it works. Just look at how much they've learned um, since they were babies about the world around them. Um, And that's without a teacher. That's their own curiosity investigations. So if we can sustain that interest and that curiosity throughout elementary school, then when kids are older, they will continue to investigate and become the science literate citizens that we need in order to solve the problems that we are experiencing. And Rebecca, from your perspective as a science educator, why do you think it's so important to continue to prioritize science education during this time? That's a, yeah, that's a great question. I think Abigail made a lot of really important points about developing um, a generation of kids who are scientifically literate. And I think they need to understand how science works. We're seeing it unfold in front of us, the levels of uncertainty, the ways that evidence emerges and the ways that we interpret evidence. I think we need kids who understand that science doesn't come out of a textbook. It's not just what your teacher says, but it's something that we create together. And that's the kind of science that we want to see in the classroom because it's authentic. It's really how science works. So we need kids who grow up to be adults who can do that. Our goal is not to create every, not to take every kid in the classroom and make them into a scientist. It's to help them develop those habits of mind that will help them be productive members of our society who are scientifically literate. So um, as parents and teachers are finding out, and we've touched on this already a little bit, you know, education looks very different when you're doing it from home. So what can high quality science education look like when you're not in a school setting? Rebecca, why don't we start with you and then we'll go to Abigail. Yeah, so we've been learning this while we're flying the plane, obviously, but what we're seeing is that we can send home tasks for kids to do that still engage them in those science practices, still are coherent and build from one day to another, and that are really manageable at home. 
So I can think of, for example, our fifth grade teachers are doing a unit now where kids are investigating why do we have day and night? We use the same phenomena that we actually use at school. We just changed how we present it to kids so that they experience this discourse between two kids who are on opposite sides of the world from each other and trying to figure out how it could be day for one of them and night for the other. We still ask kids to make models of that at home. Um, they just need to take a picture of it and submit it to teachers. And then we are taking kids through a series of coherent lessons where they're using online simulations, where they're asking questions, where they're still gathering data. But it, so it looks different and we're using different materials and we're pacing it differently and how we present it to kids is different, but we're still prioritizing all of those qualities of high quality science instruction that we know are important in the classroom. In terms of doing science at home, you know, it is, it is a real opportunity for parents to, to see and experience those investigations themselves and to sort of experience the excitement and the curiosity of asking why and trying to figure it out. It can happen over the dinner table. It can happen um, as you're washing up. It can happen... Um, as you're brushing your teeth, there's no end of um, moments to ask why and to try and figure out how you would um, answer that question. And you can use those experiences to integrate them with other, um, other disciplines. You can start to explore through mathematics. You can start to explore through reading books. It's an entree into all kinds of um, learning opportunities. So at some point, we are all going to return to school, you know, face-to-face -face school, not the distance learning school that I think we've become used to for the past couple of months. So do, do you think that this pandemic and the way that we are sort of treating education, science education now, will the pandemic have changed the way that we actually do science in the physical classroom? I think to some extent it might. I mean, we are seeing that there are some families and some kids that are really challenged by um, virtual learning. But we're actually also seeing that there's a group of kids who are actually doing pretty well. And I think it is an opportunity to ask ourselves, um, why are these kids finding learning from home um, more appealing um, than in the classroom? And I don't think that there's any one answer to that, but I think it's just a question worth exploring. I had a teacher get in touch with me the other day. Uh, we had decided that for a lesson, we were going to send kids, if they're allowed, outside to make some shadows and to, if possible, record themselves or have a parent record them manipulating these shadows. Um, and so this teacher emailed me what this student submitted. And she said, this is a kid who doesn't participate much at school. Uh, this is a kid we really have to push to hear from them and look at this video. This kid is really enjoying themselves, putting together these pieces of what makes shadows and how do shadows change and really engaged. And it, it is a moment that just offers, offers us an opportunity to say, why is it working so well for this kid in this moment? I don't think that we do anything wrong at school, but it's just an opportunity to question uh, what we're doing in the classroom and why for a small subgroup of kids are we seeing some successes that perhaps we didn't see in the classroom before. Abigail, what's, what's your take on that? What do you think the long-term implications of this you know, distance learning is going to be on science education in the classroom? Well, I hope that parents have a greater appreciation for how teachers do their work and what, what a compelling and challenging job teaching actually is. You know, to accept the fact that, you know, it's okay not to know the answer, that they can explore things with their kids and they don't have to be the one to answer 
um, how come this happens, but rather, I don't know, let's find out and, you know, get into the enjoyment of exploring questions and recognizing that their job is not to end a conversation, but to begin one with. Great. So science should be the beginning of the conversation, not the end of it. Well, uh, I think that's a great place to end today. Um, So Rebecca and Abigail, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I really enjoyed our conversation and good luck with all your efforts to promote science education during these very interesting times, to say the least. Thank you so much. Thank you, Bert. Thanks for listening to Mosaic. For more information about EDC's work to support elementary science education during the coronavirus pandemic, visit us online at edc.org.